this is Commitment Sunday. Isn't it great? Uh, uh, is it 11, 11 year old kid? How many know if they're learning it at that age, uh, God's going to just show them some things that are going to uh, just radically affect his life into the future? You know, when we think of debt reduction, it's not that I have a problem with that. I've told you the story how I felt like the Lord spoke to me, get to work, and, and we'd see this debt completely removed. The debt's about $3.4 million in five years. And we brought together a group of people that felt one way to do that is to ask the body to do that. Now, it's one thing when you know God's spoken to you as a pastor uh, you know, I, I go to bed at night thinking about you. I wake up in the morning thinking about you and the church and what we're doing and vision and all. So it's on the fourth. But for you, you have all kinds of life. You have life outside of this. You have, you have all kinds of challenges. And so when I come to you and I say, hey, I would love for you to be part of this, I know what that can do. I also know there's been previous history. I know that there's... T- things, campaigns you've been a part in the past and you, and you think about it and maybe it wasn't as positive as you'd have liked it to be or you've had a bad experience. First, first thing I want to just say, welcome to Bethel's Rock Church, okay? Past experiences I can't change, but we can do something in the future, right? And I do believe God wants us to get rid of our debt not because I'm against having debt, but I just, I believe that it's when we do this, something will take place. Now, how many remember the video of April? There was something he showed me this week. How many remember April Lund? She said she had made a commitment to the campaign and then uh, she went to go pay her medical bills for her husband, which was about sixteen, eighteen thousand $18,000, somewhere in there, and it was $3.55. It had been eliminated pretty much right? Well, someone else came up to me and, uh, that at Richfield and said, I can't, um, I can't, I can't, you can't put my name on this, but I know the campaign is over three years and I'll continue to do it, but I'm going to give you everything I have. I got a bonus is all I got. I wasn't going to give to the campaign. I just didn't, you know, debt doesn't excite me. And, uh, and I said, doesn't anybody, but, uh, I, I'm going to, but when you were talking, the Lord spoke to me that I needed to be part of the campaign. And so I'm giving you this. And it was five, $100 bills, five, $100 bills. She called me this week and she says, I got to tell you what happened. She goes, uh, I gave you that. And, and I, I, I was like, and she's a person of faith. She's been at Bethel's rock for 13 longer than I've been there. And she goes, but two weeks after I gave that, I went to pay a bill, uh, that a payment for a bill, and they said, well, ma'am, um, it's taken care of. $9,000 completely wiped out. And, and I thought to myself, I thought to myself, see, these buildings don't belong to me. They're not my buildings, and no one person owns these buildings. They're really God's. They're, they're really His. All of, all of this debt, in the end, we could all leave and thumb our noses at the bank and they'd have to pay their own debt, right? Which would be the people who save at those banks. And y- you get the point. 
So if, if I'm giving to this debt, I'm really giving to his debt, and he says, watch me change your debt. See, our family of origin has a lot to do with this. If you were raised stingy, you'll come up with every excuse to be stingy. Ouch. Right? And we call it frugal. I'm just frugal. I'm just frugal. And the problem is God didn't call you to be frugal. He called you to be generous. You are not living in the kingdom. And, and, but all the church wants is my money. Well, first of all, you the church. And all Walmart wants, all Target wants, all that restaurant you're going, all they want is your money. The difference is when you give them your money, you're spending it. When you give the kingdom the money, you're investing it. And God says, I will take care of you more than those restaurants will take care of you. I will take care of you more. But I don't want to, I just, and I know it's difficult when somebody asks for your idol. People get mad. We had volunteers, people part of the church that cussed out our volunteer because we were asking for them just to be part of the campaign. You said, Pastor, why are you being real? Because I'm being real. This is a volunteer. There's a problem. You know what the problem is? Right here. It isn't a money problem. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And it comes down to the thing where I don't believe God provides for me. I'm my provider. And I need money to be the one that provides. And you say, well, I can't give to this. I'm not giving. I'm just not doing it. Like literally, it's a three-year campaign. You could give a dollar a month. If you're part of Bethel's Rock, you say, you know what? I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to give something to it. And, and I've asked for you to pray and be obedient to what God told you. And if God told you to do something, that's between you and God. That's not me. But I'm saying, hey, listen, today, and did, did they hand out all the, everyone has a commitment? If you take that commitment card, um, and then Zach and Amy are going to tell you the story of what happened when they did what God told them to do. And, they, and he even said, we're, we're, we're just not going to be able to have a, a car uh, uh, for a while. And that's just how they are. That's how they are in everything. You know, there were people, there were people, uh, you don't know this, but your campus pastor, there was people that couldn't afford to go on a vacation. And he came up and said, we will pay for them to go. So if you think we're out for your money, come on, guys. There's something way bigger than this. What if, what if we're going through this debt campaign, which we struggled what, whether we should raise funds to do projects because you give to projects better than you give to debt. Did you know that? And I felt like, no, it's really debt that the Lord called us to. What if the reason God really put this on our heart to do this was because he wanted to eliminate your debt? And you do that through planning in debt. Think about that. You remember, I, I think it was Elijah. I, how many get Elijah and Elisha mixed up on some of the story? I think it was Elijah, right? So your pastor does too, so it's, it's okay. There was a woman picking up sticks, and Elisha comes to him. And now he knows the king. He can, he can go to the king and, and ask for food. But he goes to this woman, widow woman, with a son, and he says, what are you doing? She goes, I'm picking up sticks. I'm going to take the last of the flour and oil that I have and make a cake, and we're going to eat it and die. 
is a drought. Well, that's impressive. Talks about words of death, but she, she said, we're going to die. And it was, that, it was that desperate. And Elijah could have went to the king, and instead of asking mother, he says, well, listen, mama, how many moms in the room? If I came up to you and I said, so you're going to make your last cake and die, well, make one for me first. What are you feeling, moms? Right? Yeah, are you kidding me? I'm going to, oh, this is all we got. She, you know what she did? This is incredible. She made it for Elijah. And it says, well, he could have went to the king and got it. Why did God bring Elijah to this woman who only had that much? Why? Because maybe God wanted to provide for that woman. She gave, and it never went empty. They never went hungry, and they never died. You know why they believe God sent Elijah to that woman? Because they believed the son was Jeremiah, going to be one of the prophets of Israel. It, what if, what if, and I'm not saying this, God hasn't spoken to me, but in the stories that I've heard to this point of people who've made commitment to God's debt, what did God turn around and do? He, met, he took care of some of their debt. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's amazing, Pastor. I'll just amen myself, you know. <laughs> so if you would, if you would take uh, your, your commitment card, and it's over three years, and I'm not asking you, you do whatever it is you want. You say, well, it's, good. it's not going to be as much as you want. Who told you what I wanted? <laughs> Who said that to you? I'm just saying... You can do something every month for the next three years. You can say, because you guys are incredibly generous. You tithe. Do you know you gave, we were number 50 in the nation in missions giving and the assemblies got out of 13,000 churches. You were number 50, five, zero. That you're Pentecostal. That's what 50 means. I'll tell you in a moment. <laughs> right? I mean, you give generously. You gave $600,000 to missions last year. That's incredible. It's not for the lack of, like, there are things that you can do. So I'm not asking you to sacrifice missions, and I'm not asking you to not tithe. You, this doesn't replace tithe. That's God's anyway. It was never yours. It, what I'm asking you is, what, what could you do above that? And whatever that is, go ahead and write it down. We could play the Jeopardy music right now. You could go, write, write, go ahead and write down your name, and then the ushers are going to come back, and they're going to collect the card. So we're doing it right now. Before we go on, go ahead and take that card and begin to fill that out. And then the ushers will come back, and then as you get the card, you just go ahead and you just give it back. If an 11-year-old kid can be a part of it. Now, if you're visiting, don't feel uncomfortable. Don't feel awkward. There's no nothing going on, but we're going to collect them right now. We're going to do it right now. You're all looking at me like, uh, if you've already done it, we're not asking you to do another one. But if you are doing it right now, we're not going on with the service. Actually, the sermon's not going on until we actually collect them all. So... Do, 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 do. Yeah. Don't you love awkward silence? Yeah, ushers, come on. Come on up here. Yeah, ushers be walking around. I mean, our ushers are even a little awkward right now and just walk around. They'll give you, they're like, well, we haven't been doing ushering. <laughs> For a long time, if if you have, just raise your card. They'll come and get your card, and um, 
Yeah, right there, right there, Michael, way over there. There's one up there. Go ahead. And, and while you're doing this and you're, and you're listening and while people are filling that out, you know, um, I, I just really want to encourage you, even if, if you don't like something, there is, you know, when people volunteer, we, we have another service starting here in, in a moment. People volunteer and give their time. We should be appreciative of their time, right? Right? Uh, when I heard someone cussed out the volunteer, I was like, we need to go lead that person to Jesus. Uh, they're just serving. They're doing, they're doing something. They're volunteering their time. I appreciate our volunteers and our nurseries and and doing that, I mean, we're, none of us are perfect, right? But how many know God gives us an attitude that, that we walk in too? So uh, encourage you just to have a good attitude, you know? And, and I know something happened in the past because uh, I wanted to meet with someone and, and they said they couldn't meet with me till December because they thought I was going to ask for money. Come on, everyone. Come on. Why is money such a big issue? Why, why, is, why is it has such a grip on it? Can I just really just say, why is it just grip us the way it does? It controls us. It changes our attitude. Like literally we think if I won the lottery, life would be better. You know what? Your life would be worse because a lot of people would quit their job and start jettisoning going all over the world and their life would have no purpose. And they would die with a purposeless... And what would your life mean? Like, like what, what would your life add up? Well, I like that. I wouldn't have to work and wouldn't have to do any of those. But what would we accomplish? How, how would, what difference would we make for eternity in all of that? God knows what's best for us. Do you know that? And if it was best for you to win the lottery, you'd win it. But the fact that you haven't means it wouldn't be good for you or your family. You know, I, I have a daughter who married someone and, and they have means. And the number one thing I said to my daughter is, I want you to never lose purpose. I don't care how much money you ever have. If you, if you, don't, if you don't invest in the kingdom the rest of your life, in your time and in your life, I raised you for nothing. I raised you for nothing. Because for me, I want to see my daughters changing the world. Don't you want to see your kids changing the world? And yet money, it's all about money, how much it controls us. And it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Money, it's a spirit. You know what it's called? It's even got a name. Here's what it's called. Mammon. And you know what Jesus said about it? He said, you can't serve both of us. You'll serve one or the other. Okay? So will you bow your heads for a moment? You're like, I'm not closing my eyes because I, I, I don't want it. Well, leave them open. The Bible doesn't say you have to close your eyes. Father, right now I pray over my brothers and sisters in this room that you know I love. I love them. You know I do. And you know lies from the past 
deception where the enemy is trying to literally almost put fear and use fear. If I do this, then what will happen? If I make this step, then, then I won't be able to. Lord, right now I come against that spirit of fear and command it to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray in this room that you would cause your spirit of life to come and liberate them from the things that are preventing them from walking in faith this morning. And that they would experience an incredible blessing from your hand because of just that step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, are you ready? You're like, I was ready when you started. I'm just not. And now I'm all worked up because you asked me to... Okay. We're in a series called Power of Words, and I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. And I'm going to talk about, in Proverbs 18.21, our theme verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of a good person is deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Proverbs 10.32 says, the speech of a good person clears the air and the words of the wicked pollute it. Words are a lot like seed. And what you plant in the field, you're going to have a future harvest. Words, when spoken, are planted for a future harvest. Too many people have grabbed the bag of death and planted these kind of seeds in the field. I, and, and the Lord knows I'm not saying this for me. I will never get any breaks. I will probably get laid off. I will never have enough money to retire. I will probably have a heart attack. I will never find the right person to marry. No ever, n nobody ever wants to do anything with me. The flu season's here and I always get it. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about, right? How many, since we started this series on words, you've been more conscious or conscious of words you've said. Like after you've said it, you said, I can't believe I just said that, but you, but you said it, right? And, and, you're, and you look at it and you go, isn't it amazing how we just said things and didn't even know we were saying them? And then we end up there and because, and because we end up there, we think, well, I'm just being real. This is reality. I, you know, the, your reality is the fruit of your seed, your words you've been planting. So it doesn't have to be your reality, but if you're going to, reality is going to change, it's going to have to start with your mouth, right? So I want to talk about another form of words, another language, and it's a heavenly language. And I recognize there are some in here, you're gonna, you, you're gonna, you've been taught differently in this. And so there's going to be a certain resistance. There's going to be a certain even um, when, when what's interesting is, is uh, people, I'll say, I'll, I'll be talking to someone and they'll say, oh yeah, I love the church. I, I agree with everything they're saying. Uh, the, see, the problem is at what point are you growing? There are things you believe that maybe not be true that you need to not agree with. Maybe you don't agree with it, but it's still true, and you need to change what you think, right? And, and what I'm trying to do this morning is I'm going to try to give you enough Scripture to show you why this is real and it's true. And it's, it's the language of your spirit man. You're a body, 
You're a soul, and Jesus said, when you come to me, you must be born again, which means the spirit in you needs to be birthed. What died in the garden was the spirit of Adam and Eve, and what was born when you came to Jesus and you invited, is he's, he says, born again, it's an actual experience. It's not a prayer. It's not a decision. It's not just the decision. I've decided to follow Jesus. It's not the decision to follow Jesus. It is the birth of a new part of you that comes to life in you. It's called the spirit man, because you were created in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. Spirit died, now God brings back life to that spirit in you. And that spirit has a tongue. It has a language. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Now, I know when you hear the word Pentecost, and we're going to do a series around Halloween that's like, ooh, scary. And we are, we're working on it. We're, we're going to uh, preach this, and the campus pastors are going to preach a couple of these, and, and it's going to be about fear and all of the stuff that kind of comes around all of that. But you hear Pentecost and go, ooh, you know, it's spooky because the Holy Spirit was part of it. I always said God should have named him Holy Chuck. You know, Chuck's a good name. It's a relaxing name. Spirit's kind of scary. You know, if you're high church, it could be Charles. You know, low church, you know, Chucky. You know, just, <laughs> just really kind of easy and comfortable and not, not scary. But he didn't do it. It's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Do you know Pentecost? You know what it means? Penta means five. Cost means uh, like multiply, time, tenth, to the tenth power. So Pentecost means 50 Ooh, that's scary. So when you say you're Pentecostal, which we do, and I have said that, it's like saying we're 50. But I'm not quite 50. <laughs> and, and I don't even want to tell people I am. <laughs> right? But what 50 means, all it means is it was the, there was a feast of Pentecost. It was there before Jesus. There is the Passover feast, feast of, feast of Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. When Jesus, after 50 days after Passover, was the feast of Pentecost. That's why it was called 50 times, 50 days, 50 days later. But, but the, when Acts, which I'll be reading to you in a moment, when the Spirit came was not 50 days after Passover, it was 50 days after the resurrection. And Jesus said to him, listen, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to do any ministry until the another comes. The, 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 this friend comes. The one who's replacing me comes. And I want you to wait. So they knew. They would have known something was going to take place at Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. They were in the upper room, had no idea what to expect, but knew it was coming. Now, if you've not heard much about the Holy Spirit or anything about the Holy Spirit, it's in the Bible, right? And there have been many pastors that have taught people that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues is of the devil. That's a serious accusation because Jesus himself said, you may blaspheme me, but when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, what will draw you to me? It's a serious deal to make that accusation. In fact, they said Jesus, he's Beelzebub is how he's doing the miracles. And Jesus turned and looked at them and said, that's blasphemy. It's the Holy Spirit doing the miracles. He said, but you're, you're the ones that have the father of lies. You would know if it was him. 
This is a very real thing. I realize it's very uncomfortable for some people. Isn't a lot of things that happen when God comes into your life uncomfortable because it's so radically different than the world? Don't we often want fire insurance and get free from God at the lowest possible cost without ever having to walk in the kingdom of God? We want to have a foot over here so we're accepted by the world and we don't ever have to suffer any persecution. But, but and this is uncomfortable. When the things of the Bible become uncomfortable, because it shouldn't be uncomfortable to pray for someone to be healed. And we should understand that just as my body has a language and my soul has a language, so does your spirit man have a language. So the, the first one is speaking in tongues is a language. It's not gibberish. It's biblical. Acts 2, 1, 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Acts chapter 2, 9 says this, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoke. They heard. It does not say they spoke in those languages. It said they heard. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... But do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. See, there's an argument, and many, and many have said in, in churches today where they disagree with, say there, it was a, the end of a dispensation. What that simply means is that when the Bible ended, that was a dispensation, and it ended. Therefore, miracles, signs, wonders, the gifts of the Spirit, the tongues, all of that stuff ended at that point and now we live in this dispensation where none of those things take place how does that make any sense number one number two there is no biblical reference that says or historical reference that said that ever that ever speaks of a dispensation where that ended there is no evidence of that ever taking place. On the contrary, there is more evidence because we see healings and we see miracles and we see signs and wonders that it's still taking place. And the only growing churches around the world are churches that actually exercise and walk in speaking in tongues. It's, an, it's a real thing. So speaking in tongues is a language. It doesn't come all at once. It starts with syllables, and, and, you, and you get it, and, and it kind of moves in that direction. It grows just like any language does. Now, number the first myth about speaking in tongues is that it's a fluent on the first day, that you have all the words on the first day. It's not. It's just a few days or a few words to start. And the more you speak in it, more it grows. Now, my daughter, who is actually, I, I see in service this morning, I, I don't know who's with your kids. They, they may be tearing up that place over there. We may need to take an offering next week to build, rebuild children's area. But she's sitting over there right now. Uh, someone asked her, how many languages do you speak? And she said, three. 
And she goes, really, what, what language? Well, I speak English. And her grandfather convinced her she, pig Latin was an English language. She said, pig Latin. And she goes, in tongues. <laughs> what? And it really is. It's actually the language of eternity. It's the original language. I'll explain it in a minute. Okay? In fact, uh, do you know, you know what you are if you speak more than, than one language? Bilingual, right? You know what you are if you only speak one? American. <laughs> that was good. They didn't think it was funny in Richfield. Because <laughs> most of them actually speak multiple languages, so they're like... Okay, so, so one, you don't speak, it grows. Number two, the myth. Here's the second myth. You can't control it. There are people who think that when you get the baptism and you start speaking in tongues, that you can't control it. You could, be at, you could be at Cub Food at the register and all of a sudden it just comes out of you. You, know? it, you can control the language. I mean, it's, it's the spirit part of you. It's the perfect part of you. In fact, the Bible says that you were born again, you're being born again, and you will be born again. And it seems like it's a contradiction until you realize the, the three parts of you. One, your spirit is born again. Your soul is in the process of sanctification and being born again. And your body at the resurrection of the dead will be born again in the future. Does it make sense? It's being redeemed. So your spirit has a language and you can control it. Here's the third myth. It will just happen when it's God's will and timing. It'll just happen. See, the problem that, there's so much confusion that surrounds this. People think, well, it's a gift. So some people get it and some don't. It, please, everyone, please listen to this. It is not a gift any more than your ability to speak out of your physical mouth is a gift. You don't think about speaking out of your physical body as a gift. It's just you just speak. You don't. Now, if you didn't have the ability to speak and then you could speak, you'd say that was a gift to be able to speak, right? There's a difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit in tongues and speaking your heavenly language in tongues. One edifies the body, the other edifies you. When you speak to God, he, you speak to Him in His language, your heavenly language. Do you know at the creation of time, there was one language? I'm going to show you how that is literally the spiritual language that you have. So it's one language, and then it was separated into many different languages. There's only one pure language, and that's tongues. It's your heavenly language. And when I talk to him, I don't need an interpretation because he understands it completely when I talk to him. When the gift of tongues is when God puts a word in tongues in my mouth and I speak it, then it must be interpreted so that the body can be edified because it's for you. When I talk to my wife, I don't need you to be around. Nor do I worry about you looking at me when I'm talking to my wife, wondering why I'm crazy talking to her. All that needs to understand is her. And if you overhear the conversation, no one thinks twice about it. Does that make sense, right? When I'm talking in the Spirit to God, you don't even, it, it shouldn't even phase you because I'm just talking to God as you are, but you don't think that's weird because you know I'm talking to God in my heavenly language. 
God's will and timing is right now and for everyone in this room. And what happens is a lot of times we have things in our past or things we've been taught, even, even lies that we have been taught that we believe, and when we hear something, we don't like it, and, and those lies kind of resist it happening in us. I had a neighbor who, um, and, and you know, for years I talked to my neighbors. I, I love talking to them about God, and, and uh, I love saying things that kind of make them go, What? <laughs> I love the shock factor, you know, when I, when I say something like, what? And, and then they ask me questions about it later because that's either strange to them or weird. Or, and uh, so one, we, we got talking, he said, so what's the difference between like your church and in my church? And I said, well, we, you know, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes, well, what's that? He didn't, he goes, my pastor doesn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wow, that's strange that he wouldn't talk about God. <laughs> oh, he does. I know, but... The Holy Spirit is God. And, and I said, it's strange that he wouldn't talk about God. And, and I said, we speak to And he goes, oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I was younger then. Not that I change now. But I said, do you want me to speak to him now for you? And uh, you no, know, no, no. And I said, he said, what's your problem with it, with, with the whole idea of tongues? And he's like, it's just not from God. I believe it's of the devil. I said, whoa, that's a scary place to go. He goes, well, you know, that's, that's what I do. I'm like, do you read the Bible? And he's like, yeah, I read the Bible. And I said, well, then you know that every good and perfect gift comes from God, that he never gives an evil gift. Is that right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not an evil gift. I said, no, I know, I understand. But if it is a good gift and God wanted to give it to you, would you be open to it? And he, he looked at me strange and I said, this is what I would encourage you to do. Go back to God and say, God, if this is from you, give it to me because every good and perfect gift comes from you. You wouldn't give me a bad gift. And you know what he said to me? I'm not doing that. It's of the devil. Because something in him was resisting, not God, it was resisting the Holy Spirit. And I think we don't realize how much there are things in us resisting things. You've seen somebody who, who growing up or you've been watching Saturday Night Live when they mock Christians doing something and you don't want to be mocked or you believe that's weird and because you believe speaking in tongues is weird and you're like, God, if this is from you, give it to me. And God's not going to just, he's not until there's a heart change. He's not throwing his pearls to the heart of a pig. Does that make sense? Because there's this resistance in us. But what you're, what you're losing is the opportunity for your spirit man to speak to God. And he wants to give you the ability. The last myth is it will just happen when it's God's will and time. And then it's a gift. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. It's a language. Secondly, the speaking in tongues is a language of the Spirit. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his Spirit. He utters mysteries. So what he's saying is, is when you speak, and I pray in tongues more, more than I speak, and what happens a lot, I'll pray in tongues, which is perfect prayer. The Spirit man in you is perfect. The soul is being redeemed and your body is going to experience its glory later on. But your mind, will, and emotions, 
is being sanctified and changed. Your spirits, when I pray out of the Spirit, I'm praying to God in His language, perfect prayers. I don't understand what I'm saying. But while I'm praying in those perfect prayers, God will give me something in English, and I'll pray in English because God wants me to have understanding of what I'm praying for, and then I go back to the Spirit. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you've had trouble praying any length of time because you run out of words, it's because you were really created to pray in the Spirit. You really were created to pray. You know what's interesting? Adam and Eve, you know, in the beginning series, there's so much I didn't tell you because I didn't have time to do it all. But one of the things I discovered is a lot of people in the, in the beginning series uh, people when asked, they see Adam and Eve as almost being prehistoric or not as, not as developed as we are. Not, maybe not as smart as we are. But you know what's interesting about that? We all came from him. Adam and Eve would have been all of the giftings you can have in this room would have resided in Adam. Because they all were shed to us. None of us can add up to who Adam was. And we think in some way Adam was like this caveman-ish individual. Do you really think God created someone to be caveman-ish so that he could walk in the cool of the day with someone that didn't have any ability to speak with any understanding? Adam brought joy to the heart of God to walk in the cool of the day because in Adam was in essence the body it was all of us. It was the human race in the very makeup of who Adam was. And he could, he was, he was the pinnacle of, and he had a language to speak with God. And eventually that language was the language they spoke at the Tower of Babel. They spoke one language powerful enough that they were able to build the tower through. And God said, if we don't stop them, they'll, they'll actually do it. And what did he do? He removed their language. Later in Zephaniah, it says that when Christ, that there would be a Messiah that would come and he would return to the humans, the language that was lost at the Tower of Babel. It's in your notes in Zephaniah. And it says that it would be returned to them, the perfect language. Before Jesus said, you're to go and to take it, the gospel, this truth to the world. Don't do anything until you get the language that they had to build the Tower of Babel. Don't go and do anything because something's going to come to you. And when it's returned to you, we'll give you the ability to do far greater than the Tower of Babel. And this little church went throughout the world not because of their giftings and abilities, but because of the baptism of the Spirit upon them and the language God put in their mouth, the power of spiritual words. Does anyone in here need building up? How many like to get built up? Do you know that the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, that you build yourself up? You lift yourself up. And it's interesting because there's two stories I want to tell you, and I'm not going to be done. I, didn't, I, didn't have, I knew I didn't have a lot of time today. And uh, so, well, there's three stories I'll tell you. Oh, there's two. Number one, Russ Phillips sitting right there. You can ask him this. But he, through his experience, I had a revelation. For, God gave me a revelation. 
He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit at our Kairos retreat. In March, we do a Kairos retreat. It's an incredible retreat you'll want to come to. It's amazing. You'll feel like it builds you up. When you leave, you feel like energized. And uh, he came, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He goes in his daughter's car. They get home. He gets in the back seat of his car. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? He's praying for his daughter in tongues. His daughter has no idea what's going on with her dad. You know, she's on the phone with a guy on the phone. She puts the phone down. He keeps praying in tongues over her. He eventually hangs up the phone and then he keeps praying and he stops. She calls him back because this is the argument. When they spoke in tongues, they were preaching and speaking in tongues. They were speaking in these ancient languages. So it's not, this tongue needs to be a language, but that's not what it says in the scripture. Nowhere does it say they spoke in their language it says the people who are listening heard in their language. So Russ prays in tongues over his daughter, building her up, ministering to his daughter in tongues. She calls the guy back on the phone that she had hung up with. She says, I know that, I'm sure that was weird hearing the tongues. He said he didn't speak it. He heard Russ speaking in English. Can you imagine all of those different languages around and they're speaking in tongues? How, they weren't speaking 20 languages at the same time. The only way that makes sense is if the people were hearing in their language. It's the only way it makes sense. And the gift of interpretation is one of the gifts of the Spirit. So literally, as they're praying in tongues, or they're speaking in tongues, the people are interpreting in their ear. They got the gift of, and they're interpreting what's being said in their language. Pretty amazing. ABC on Nightline does a study because they wanted to see Pentecostals because the only church growing around the world is Pentecostal. They want to understand what's... So they took a Buddhist monk that's praying. They took a Baptist minister that's praying. Then they took this Pentecostal guy from the South that's praying in tongues. And they put him in an MRI machine, put the, you know, you go in that donor. And then, and then, they, and then they say, now pray, you know. I don't know how you pray in a tube, but like, dear God, take me out of here quickly. But, but uh, the, the Buddhist did it. And sure enough, the brain fired in the spot when he's praying. Then the Baptist passed, and sure enough, the spot that he was praying out of was this part of the brain. And then to the Pentecostal pastor, he had him pray. He prayed. And same spot, all three of them, same part of the brain, it fired. Then they said to the Pentecostal, you speak in tongues. And they did an MRI of his brain. And the part of his brain, and they showed this on TV, national news, national show, this, the University of the Study said that the firing where the red was in the brain was in a different part of the brain from when he was praying in English. Listen, you really don't believe there's a spirit man in you when you come to Christ, but there is. And if there isn't, you should get saved. You say, I'm leaving this church because you don't think I'm saved. I didn't say that. I said, if you don't believe there's a spirit man in you, then you need to come to the revelation of the truth that the only way you can be saved is because he gave you back the identity of that. When you decided to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, God put something in you, a power source that transforms you and changes you and it gave you a language. And the enemy doesn't want you to speak because the last time they spoke, they were building a tower. If you were to start speaking now, you could build the kingdom through the words he would put in your mouth. Now, my wife's coming up here quickly. Will you give me a few more minutes? 
I really don't have it for Apple Valley. Will you give me a few more minutes? Yeah, you're like, you're going to take them anyway. So yes, I'll, I'll, I'll send you. So, so my wife, we're in college. And uh, I meet my wife. And she is like smoking hot, right? And, and, uh, and some of you are offended because I said my wife's hot. She doesn't get offended when I say that. So you just deal with it. Okay? I, I get so irritated that you're offended for someone who's not offended about it. She likes it when I tell her that. Okay? And so I'm like, but we, we're passionate people and we're having this discussion. And, and she is really like the most beautiful woman I'd ever set my eyes on. And we're having this discussion because I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I speak into, and, and it's a big deal for me. And she's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a gift. Some people get it. I don't think it's that important. And she's doing all that. And I'm getting frustrated because like, I want to marry this girl, but I can't marry her. She isn't going to be baptized in the Spirit because we got to be together in agreement with this thing. And you think I'm just saying this just to be some radical preacher. I believe this stuff, I tell you. This is important to me. So we have this fight. And she goes away, and I have this prayer, and I'm like, God, I think she's amazing. Which at 22 is, she is hot, and I'm never going to find anyone better. <laughs> or at least convinced I'm worthy of them. But I can't marry her, Lord, because she's not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's where I left it, and then she'll tell you where she was at. So we, we had a passionate discussion about this, and I went back to my dorm room that night, and I said just a very simple prayer. I said, God, if this is real, this language is real, and if you really want me to have it, then I want to have that. And so I went to sleep, went to bed, went, got up the next morning, went to chapel, and at, in chapel, I was sitting in chapel, and I'll never forget it, I saw this woman that was sitting kind of toward the front, and it was like the sunlight was shining in, so she was highlighted kind of. And I was sitting there, I couldn't take my eyes off of her for some reason, and I felt in my spirit the Lord saying, I want you to pray with this woman. Now, when you're 20, anybody that's at college that looks older than 20s is old, right? So she looked like an old lady, and I was like, I don't know who she is. I, don't, I felt intimidated, like, why would I go and pray for her? What could I, whatever. I had all these questions, but, so I kind of ignored it. Chapel service, chapel service ended. I left chapel, but as I was in the hallway, she literally again passed right by me shoulder to shoulder and I felt the spirit say I want you to pray for her and I'm like giving them all excuses I don't know her as she's older I don't I mean I felt intimidated all those things and so um we went down to the mail room I get went to get my mail and again she was in the mail room and I was like who is this lady and so I grabbed my mail and as I was trying to walk out she was there again I stopped to talk to some friends had to get to class and you have to go through these double doors to get out to where I was going and she was standing right in the middle of the double doors and I'm like who is she and I kept feeling the spirit prompting me pray with this woman but I was like nope not gonna do it so I kind of tried to go around her and pass by and she stepped in front of me and she said you are supposed to pray for me and I was like okay it's God I'm supposed to pray for her so I set my books down and you know now all these college students are walking by us and it's it's chaotic and I was like this is kind of embarrassing but I set my books down and I grabbed her hands and I thought I'm going to say a quick prayer and move on and I grabbed her hands and I said dear heavenly father and she's like no you're supposed to pray in your heavenly language and immediately this 
heavenly language came from the bottom of my toes all the way up into my belly and out of my mouth and I just started praying in this heavenly language sobbing tears coming down my face and she let go of my hands and I did, I just stood there praying and by myself in my heavenly God, language God tried to do it in the chapel privately privately <laughs> but she ended up publicly yeah. experiencing it yeah and I, I just like I said she dropped my hand and I kept praying I looked up finally and she was gone. I never saw the lady ever on campus ever again. I truly believe I encountered an angel that day because of the prayer, a simple prayer I prayed. And she came back and said she was filled and I never worshiped more in my life okay. after that. <laughs> so in, in Corinthians, Paul makes this statement. Corinthians says this, I would that you would all speak in tongues. He says, I do it more than you all. There is, a, there is oftentimes in praying, ministering, there was a woman who had an affair and um, we were ministering in her house. She had, we had brought him to our house and we we're ministering to her. And counseling and therapy isn't going to fix this. And we began to pray over them and I began to pray in the spirit. And while I was praying in the spirit, the Lord, like my eyes were closed and I could see this vision of me with sponges washing her as I was praying in the spirit over her. And she said she felt like the guilt, shame, and condemnation was being washed away while I was praying in the spirit over her. It is a powerful language. That's why Jesus said, don't leave to do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you because you won't be able to do the work of the kingdom without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do the work of the kingdom until the dove of the Spirit came and rested on him. Why in the world would you think you could do it without him? We can't. And the devil will do whatever he can to make you uncomfortable with it, to make you think it's not biblical, to make you think it's a lie. He'll even bring Christians into your life to tell you it's a lie. The Word of God, right here, there are so many scriptures that tell you that this isn't fake or weird or demonic. It is of God and he wants you to experience. Will you stand? Pastor Zach's coming. If you if you want God to give you a spiritual language, I want you to raise your hand really quickly and then put it down. Put it down real high, real quickly and put it down. Okay, so hands all over. Now, if you raise your hand, come running up here real quick. Come out of your seat real quick. There are going to be prayer people that are going to come out here. Pa Pastor Zach's going to do it. If you raise your hand, just come out real quick. If you got to kick the person next to you to get out, if you raise your hand, come out here. You're like, well, that's uncomfortable to me. Don't let the altar be uncomfortable for you. That is exactly what the enemy wants. If you raise your hand, now come on, there's a whole bunch of hands that were raised over here. Come on, step out. What will people think? They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. They're actually thinking about whether or not the Vikings are winning or not. So, so if you want this, come on and stand right up here, all the way across. Pastor Zach's going to take it from here because you're going to experience something today. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's coming. 